I'll try to go live on YouTube. All right, we are live. All right, what's up, everybody? Uh, this is going to be a great episode. I'm stoked tonight, man. Uh, welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm here with my co-host, Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? I'm so excited. You know, we, we tried to have Joe probably over a year ago, but with all the shit that happened with COVID, he was supposed to come into the studio at 35 Worth Street. Uh-huh. And uh, not only is G- well, you can introduce him. I'm not going to tell his story. You tell his story. Well, I'll introduce him. Um, we have a uh, we're honored tonight. Uh, Police off the cuff is honored tonight to have uh, Joe Lisi, a retired NYPD captain, served 24 years, a Marine. Oh, And probably one of the, um, I guess, most accomplished actors that ever came out of the NYPD. Uh, he has, uh, Bill sent me his credits. It's like three pages long. I'll just go. He was a regular on um, Third Watch, Lieutenant Bob Swirsky. He was on The Sopranos, Dick Perone. Um, this is gonna. This is cute because you were on Della Ventura with Danny Aiello, and that's the first part I ever had on TV acting. I played a boxer on uh, on the episode um, uh, with Del, on, on Della Ventura. Uh, right. You've been on Law and Order SVU. I did that. You were in the Jerky Boys movie. Um, right. and you just did something last year. It's escaping me right now. But um, it's an honor to have you, man. Well, thank you, Mark. It's great to be here, finally. You know, Mark, not only is he a successful actor, but he's a restaurateur, too. He owns a bar called Bar None in Times Square. Bardo, oh, Billy. Bardo, Bardo, I'm sorry. I was thinking, why am I thinking Bar None? I'm thinking I'm getting barred, you know, Bar None. <laughs> That's What's right, Bardo. No, there was a bar none down in the village. Maybe that's right. it. That's they used it. to do comedy there. I used to perform there. But uh, you you still own the bar now in the city? Yeah, we, we're not bar none. We're bar some. It's called Bardo. And uh, unfortunately, right now, we're closed because of everything that's going on. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, we opened during, during COVID. And uh, we were very lucky because we had such tremendous support from the community and Guys like Bill, my 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 cop buddies, my Marine buddies, they started donating money to us so we could provide pizza to all the uh, all the uh, the different entities that were involved. We sent over 500 pies to the to the Navy ship. We sent pies to the Javits Center. We sent pies to Sloan Kettering to the morgue. We, we did it all over. It was Joe, you see, you see on the screen, I got your buff picture there of your bar, Bardot with the two American flags. Can you see it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and there's the one right next to it is when I had hair. Look at me there. And you, you, got, you got the, uh, oh, look at that. There's your, your captain uniform. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was that, a movie, I've though. I've seen those, Bill. I, I just see your, um, your screen with all the pictures on it. But oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, let me stop the share for a second. No, but Joe, you told me one time that one time you played a captain on a TV episode and you made more in that episode than you made as a real captain, as a captain. <laughs> yeah, back in 1989, 
Sonny Grasso had a, a show called True Blue, and it was about uh, emergency service, truck one. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough to be hired to play Captain Mata, the precinct commander. The, the, the emergency unit was in my precinct, and they would always play tricks on me. <laughs> but the truth is, at the same time, I was a, a, a real captain in the police department. And I would make more money in one day working on the TV show than I made all week as a real cat. Isn't that a bitch? <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, I was, uh, I'm retired from the job too. And the first, uh, the first part I mentioned on the Della Ventura was, um, was something that I was in the middle of, you know, I was, I was new on the job. I, I picked up acting as soon as I got on the job. You see, I came from Astoria. And you couldn't tell anybody you were growing up with hanging out in the corner, getting, you know, fired up all night that you wanted to be an actor. But once I got the job as a cop and I kind of sort of, you know, then I said, all right, I'm going to do what I want to do, too. And that Della Ventura, you know, the guys drive uh, the guys that I worked with drove me down to the city. And uh, when I went up for my my callback and when I came down to the. You know, I got the part. They told me upstairs when I came down to the van, there was like six guys that we, we were doing warrants. And, um, you know, they were like, how did it go? I was like, ah, nah, not that good. And then uh, I was like, nah, I'm kidding. I got it. And then they were all jumped on me. So, yeah. you know, it's it's one thing to like, you know, be a cop. It's one thing to be an actor. But when you combine the both worlds and then you get the love from the from the job. Yeah. No, I have to say most of the time, you know, I was lucky because I was a boss. And most of the time, the bosses that were above me were actually very, very supportive of my uh, second career. And they actually made sure that I had assignments where I would get time off when I needed it in most cases. And uh, uh, even as a precinct commander, there was one time when I got a job in a movie and I had to go to Pittsburgh for three weeks. And, And the borough commander decided, well, I don't like my captains taking more than two weeks off. And I needed more time. Long story short, I don't know if you guys remember R.J. Johnston, the chief of department. Yes. When he sent me to the 17th precinct, because Kelly wanted me there, he told me, I know you're an actor, and if you need time off, and if you can't get it, just let me know. Long story short, I called him up because I had to do this movie in Pittsburgh. So he calls the chief and tells the chief to give me as much time as I want, which was fine. I did the movie in Pittsburgh. I come back. Now, as a captain back in those days, if you were a precinct commander, you would get maybe three duties a month, usually on a day tour because you had so much other stuff to do. The month that I came back, the chief gave me 17 duties. (laughs) So he got his pound of flesh out of me, but I got to do the movie and everything was good. He was probably jealous, you know. What's that? He was probably jealous, you know. Well, sometimes they were a little bit. You know. Then, of course, they had these stories that I was a multimillionaire, you know, and driving around. I had a new car and all that. And it was all because supposedly they thought I was making so much money in the movies. Well, what kind of car were you driving back then? I was driving a Jeep. Nothing, uh, nothing extraordinary. Okay. But, you know. Hey, uh, you, you started, um, I was reading your bio a little bit. It says that you started at HB Studios. I did. So did I. I Who did. was your teacher? Ed Morehouse. Oh, okay. I was, I was 29 years old when I took my first acting. I was life. 20. I was 25. Yeah. And um, I had Trudy Stiebel. Okay, good. Yeah. I think Ed Morehouse is still alive, believe it or not. He had been, he's got to be close to 100. He was in World War II. 
He was a, a, a Navy corpsman back then. And Trudy, studied, Trudy runs the place now. Oh, yeah? She's well, you been, know who's teaching there now? My buddy, Vinny Pastore. He does workshops there now. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah. Didn't know Vinny. You, yeah, mean, he's good, you mean big pussy? Big pussy. <laughs> well, so I, I studied... I, I, I studied... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. No, I worked with... He was on the episode that I was on, on uh, Del Ventura. I worked with him. He was on that episode. Yeah. Oh, I did a couple of projects with, with uh, Vinny. We were in a movie called Who's the Man? There, there were... Uh, it was the first rap movie. There were four white guys in the movie. We were all bad. I was the captain in that one too. But uh, he, he worked in that with me too. But it was, I, it was. I loved when uh, Harvey Keitel played that movie, The Bad Lieutenant. You ever see that? I know, but the, I, I got so sick of looking at Harvey's penis because he's, <laughs> he's showing his penis in The Bad Lieutenant. Then he was in that other thing, The Piano. That's right. And, I mean, I give him a lot of credit that he would do that. <laughs> you know, when I was on Broadway, in Take Me Out, which was a baseball uh, play, they had three shower scenes. So, and we did the play first in London and then in New York, but long story short, thank God, I, I played the manager of the team. So I was one of the three people in the cast that didn't have to get naked on stage. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I thank God for that. Because you're a good Catholic boy from Queens. You don't want to do that. Oh too. yeah, a lady of the miraculous <laughs> metal. <laughs> Plus you're a Marine, you're a Marine, right. take Listen, the hill. <laughs> when I was in the sixth grade, my nun told me that I was the scum of the earth. So. Aren't nuns great? Imagine nuns doing the shit they used to do today. Oh, forget it. They'd be in, uh, in, in, in jail. They'd be getting college, yeah, absolutely. Of course, child <laughs> abuse. I had oh, you know, it's funny, I, I did a show recently with... Um, Jack Cambria, the great hostage negotiated oh, yeah. lieutenant. Yeah, Jack. And um, he talked a kid off this building and the kid uh, got kicked out of Covenant House because he wasn't doing his chores. To stay there for free, you got to do your chores. Right. So he said he'd call up the Monsignor, see if he could get him back and blah, blah. Anyway, he talked the kid down off the roof. And I was thinking it must have been Father Ritter. But it wasn't. It was, remember Father Ritter, right? Yeah, yeah. They wanted to make him a saint. Then he turned out he was a fucking pedophile. Right. He no. ran that place. You know who was a good guy over there? Did you ever come across Father Pete? No. Oh, I didn't Father... work in the South. I was I worked in the North, but in 88, I was in street crime. So I used to uh, do around uh, the South all the time. Well, Father Pete, he was a character. He was uh, at, was it St. Anne, Agnes or something on 42nd Street? Uh -huh. But when he wasn't on duty, you'd find him up in E-Lanes. And he'd be hanging out in the lane, smoking and drinking. He was a wonderful guy. But I'm telling you, he was a real priest. He saved a lot of souls because he could talk to people because he walked the walk with them. You know what I mean? Right. He didn't talk down. He saved a lot of guys. He really did. He was a wonderful Good. That's man. Great. Yeah. That's great. Now, were you, did you hang out a lot at the lanes too? I used to go to Elaine's, but I found out about it late. I didn't realize it was a cop bar because yeah. I didn't start going to Elaine's until I was an actor. But then when I started going there with friends, I would see all my buddies from the job there as well. You know? We were across the street at Marty O's. That's where you could put 20 on the wood and drink all night. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that didn't happen with Elaine. No, not she at all. Was, it was she kept happen. her eyes on everything. Yeah. But there was another good bar across the street, Rathbones. That's I right. You remember right. that place. Yeah, I, you know, I used to tend bar at Pete's Tavern on 18th and Irving. Oh, I know that. Years sure. ago. Yeah. I worked there but for I, like three years. I tended bar there. It was a pretty good my, place. My first apartment when I 
first got married as a kid was at 21 Gramercy Park South. And that was right around the corner from Pete's Town. So you did have some money. No, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I didn't have any money. I, I had a, a, a small apartment back then, 19, I guess, 71. The rent was like... Uh, you just had an Uncle Sal that hooked you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish. I you wish. Know, but he brings up a good point, because back in the day, you could live in the city. Bill, you lived in the city. Yeah, but I had a rent-controlled apartment on Barrow Street. But I'm saying... Like you could live in the city, though. You found yeah, a way. right. But if if without a rent controlled apartment, I couldn't have. Uh, we, we made no money, right? You know, it's funny. You rent an apartment, right? And you think, how long are the people going to stay? My grandmother has been on 180th and Broadway in Washington Heights. It's got to be 60 years now. Wow. I'm telling you, it? she's she's 90 something. She's 96 years old. They've been. They came in 1964. They've had that apartment since nineteen sixty four. Yeah, <laughs> get that. your name on the get on that lease. So when she goes, you can get. It. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah well, you know that that's true. They can't get rid of you if you're there for at least a year, and you're on the lease, right? Yeah, well, it, it, it's I guess it pa it gets passed down too because if somebody's been living with you there the whole time, like for example, your son, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think so. I hope so. Anyway, because I'm not taking him in. No, I'm kidding. He's my he's my uncle. I'll take him in. <laughs> so, Joe, when you got hot, what, what year did you come on the job? I came on in '68. '68. Oh, so you were one of those crazy. crazed Vietnam veterans coming home from the war, right? No, no, I didn't go to Vietnam. I was a Marine reservist, so I didn't go anywhere. Did I only you, went to Joe. When you were marching, did you? I don't know, but I've been told pretty little women ain't got no soul. One, two, three. Yeah, we did all that. You did all we that. Did shit. all that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, after having been, uh, you know, I went to the police academy, and then and then going to Paris Island, I used to laugh when the cops would get upset when we'd have inspections in the station house. Right. They don't have any idea what a real inspection is all about. Believe. Hey, me. remember when you went down into the basement and they started throwing all that shit at you? Yeah. You know, that was funny, right? <laughs> but the, they said a lot of things, too, about me, even as years went on. I hate to tell you. What'd they say about you? Well, you know, I somebody wrote on the wall in the station house, Lisi is a four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, they, at least they didn't use you as a urinal coaster. Oh, no, I've seen that. I've seen Jane Fonda and some I remember other people. I don't know. I remember going to the 113 and whoever was the CEO at the time, man, was it the one? Yeah, it was the 113. And I'm taking a piss and the freaking urinal coaster is uh, is the CEO of the, of the 113. Yeah. Oh, hey, here's another one. How about this one? Will Rogers never met Lieutenant Leeson. <laughs> Do you... Mark may be too young to remember Will Rogers. <laughs> you know what I used to... Do you remember that scene in Serpico? When he goes in the bathroom and the guy's perving, he goes, hey, turn off the lights, right? Yeah, yeah. And so then Serpico walks out and the, the lieutenant says, hey, Serpico, were you sucking his cock, right? <laughs> I did that to one of the detectives, came out of the bathroom, you had to see his face. I go, yeah. I won't say his name. I go, were well, you in there? And he, he well, that, was in four, that was in 400 Broom Street, by the way. Is that right? Yeah, which with, with the uh, BCI, which is now That's the right. identification <laughs> BCI, section, yeah. used to be there. When I was a trainee, I worked upstairs in the information section. You must have been well-traveled on the job. 
Yeah, I did all right. I was in narcotics for 12 years. I saw a picture of you, uh, your anti-crime. It was pretty cool, man. Yeah, 88 in the 88 anti-crime with, with all the guys on the taxi cab. What a great picture. You know, I, I so wish I had more pictures from when I was on the job. I like I never took pictures. You know, I, I almost don't even have a, a picture of me in uniform except when I got promoted, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's a weird thing that we didn't think enough to take pictures. Yeah. I had I, one picture from 9-11. Don't ask me how I have it, but um, it's it's right there. Yeah, no, I, you know, and nine eleven, I, I thought it was like disrespectful to take pictures, yeah. so I didn't, you know. And but I really wish that I had at least one picture of myself and the guys I was with. Just you know, it was a historical thing, even though it was a horrendous thing, you know. Well, it, you know, in that picture, I, I'm not smiling, and I smile in every picture. Yeah. You know, I'm an actor, I'm a comedian. Every time you. So, and I'm not smiling in that picture. So, hey, uh, before we go any further, let's take a minute here to give a shout out to uh, the people that are tuning in on the live chat. MC Audio, Gil Sharp, Cat in a Hat, Duke 4000, Peter Pranzo's out there. Joe, you know Peter Pranzo? I don't know. Do I? I don't know. He was, he was on the job during your time. He was up from the, but he was up in the 3-2 and then street crime. He's a lieutenant. No, I probably don't know. Well, Pete Pranzo, shout out to Pete, great guy. He's got a got a book called Harlem Raiders, and he's oh, been on show. that sounds good. Yeah, he's well, been on show. Thanks for tuning in, Pete. I'm happy that you're here. <laughs> he's a good man, and he's uh he's in his uh I don't want to out you guys, but he's in his seventies. I saw Joe, you just you just tipped the seven zero, huh? I yeah, I really did. It's unbelievable. You know, there used to be, you know what happens when you get old? There used to be a time, you know when. You'd be out someplace, right? And and you turn your head, and all of a sudden you realize there's a, a a young girl or a nice person, a nice woman there checking you out a little bit. Yeah. Now they look right through you. It's like <laughs> they're not even there. You know what happened to me the last time I was on a subway? A very nice, lovely young girl said, "Excuse me, sir, would you like to sit down?" <laughs> I wanted to hit her with a blackjack. <laughs> but how's your health? You're in good health. Yeah, I'm in good health. That's you know, I have uh, that's I got some issues. I know you're an actor, but that's your first joke if you want to do a stand-up set. <laughs> oh, believe it's me. A great joke. <laughs> I could tell you jokes. Yeah. <laughs> How about this? I'm in the squad, right? In the 8-8 squad. So my partner and I were getting ready to go out to eat. So we go downstairs and we we get to the uh to the to the state to the desk. And there's an old woman by the desk. We are allowed to use any language on this show? Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. So this old woman had to be in her 80s. She's screaming at the desk officer. I told that motherfucker that if he went to sleep, I'd slit his throat. He went to sleep and I slit his motherfucking throat. <laughs> so the sergeant sees us. She says, talk to the detectives. So she comes over to us. This is a little old lady. And she says, I told that motherfucker if he went to sleep, I was going to slit his motherfucking throat. He went to sleep and I slit his motherfucking throat. I said, all right, where do you live? She said, 88 Lexington Avenue. This is in Brooklyn. I said, okay, come on, come with us. So we take her outside. We put her in the back of the car. We drive over to her house. I tell her, give me the keys to the front door and you sit in the car. I go up the stairs, the stoop. I'm trying to get in the door, right? Next thing I know, the door opens. There's a guy with a towel wrapped around his neck. <laughs> He's the husband. She actually slit his throat. But thank God, 
She didn't cut his uh, artery any, any uh, he lived. Now this was long before domestic violence laws, right? So I said, okay, we're gonna arrest your wife. No, 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 what are you talking about? We're married all these years, you can't arrest her. I says, okay, we called an ambulance, we went to dinner, and that was the end of that show. <laughs> Imagine you did that today, they'd collar your ass. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, some of those things can be worked out, man. Yeah, but today it's very hard. No, you can't, you can't. I feel sorry for the young cops today. You can't. I know one thing, they'll never have the fun that we had, that's for sure. No way. No. I mean, we couldn't wait to get to work. We stayed late. We always had a ball. We used to have a ping pong table in the back of uh, Queen South Task Force. Yeah. And we used to work six to twos and literally leave there at 4 35 o'clock in the morning because we used to have ping pong tournaments. We're, you know, it, we'd be betting like $5 a game. It was incredible. We, we had well, some. What, what years were you talking, Mark? Well, when I was in, it was probably like two thousand. Uh, I came on in '92, so it was probably like '94 to like '96, '97. Okay, so the difference between the job you were on and the job that we were on is that we'd be playing ping pong, working a six to two, but at two o'clock we wouldn't be still be playing ping pong because we'd have been playing since nine thirty, <laughs> and then we would have go out and go do something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. To all of our fans watching Police Off the Cuff tonight, this is retired NYPD Captain Joe Lisi, probably the most successful cop actor in the history of the New York City Police Department. He says he's the second most, but he's got over 100 credits. He's Usually they make him play a cop. Poor him. But he's well, got a cop or a hoodlum. A cop or a hoodlum, but he's living large now. You know, he's down in Florida. He's down in Florida right now in Delray Beach. Trying well, to know. Trying to get a seat at the bar. Some young girl let the old man sit down. That's right. Excuse me, sir. Would you like a seat? <laughs> but no, we should give a shout out to a guy who I respect an awful lot from our job. He's a wonderful, gifted actor, David Zayas. Yes. He's, he's younger than I am. You guys know him from Oz and a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's a very good actor, David. And uh, he's from our job. Too. Yeah, I remember him from Oz. He was a good, great looking character actor, you know? Yeah. But did you guys watch Dexter? He was the sergeant on Dexter, the guy that always wore the hat. Is that right? Yeah. He was well, then, you know, there's a new guy, a sergeant, just retired named Michael Devine. I saw a couple of things that he did online. Yeah, yeah he's working a lot now, that guy. Yeah. And there's a guy named Mark DeMeo, but he's a fucking husband. And, uh... Oh, that guy heard of him. He was on the job once, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he's a you know, comedian. It's funny, you, you, get, you get on a roll. Like last year, I did the the Law and Order SVU, and I did the FBI's Most Wanted. Yeah. Kind of sort of back to back. You know, well, it was you know a couple months apart, but you know you go on an audition, and you wind up getting it, and then you go on the next audition, and then you get that too. You kind of sort of on a roll. You're hot. All of a sudden, the the COVID hit. Yeah, I just got uh, like kind of sort of like the last of my residual check from you know when you, you know when you get to like eleven dollars. Yeah, that's when the, that's the last one you're gonna see. You know. Well, you know, I get, I have in fact gotten residual checks for one penny. <laughs> I still get residual checks from things that I did in the '80s, believe it or not. But of course, they're very very small now. But it actually, you get checks sometimes, and it costs more to print the check than what's on the value. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. when you do, uh, say, a movie or a TV show in another state, at the end of the year, you have to pay taxes in other states, too? Yes, you do. You got to pay state tax in uh, in those states. That's a pain in the ass, right? Yeah. 
And I, I worked in Canada a number of times too, and the same thing up there. Fuck those Canadians. Oh yeah, no, but they take the money. No, they take the money out before you get it. Oh, do they really? Us. They know how with it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bill, just so you know, Duty Ron's on the air. What's up, Duty Ron? Duty Ron, he just gave us a $5 super chat. Thank you, Duty Ron. You're the Thank man. Thank you, Duty Ron. He's our biggest benefactor, that guy. He's giving us more money than anyone else out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a thing you can do. While, while, we're, while we're talking right now, that people can actually like kind of sort of throw money at you like you're dancing on stage. Yeah. Wow. It's we're like, we're like pole dancers. People are throwing yeah. us money, you know? So usually... Uh, you know, we've taken off our shirts uh, on every episode. So now yeah. we got people are tired of seeing us. It's up to, so now we have our guests doing it. You I know, don't want to see the old guy take his shirt off. If I <laughs> take my shirt off, you won't have anybody watching the show. That's for sure. Hey, Joe, do you got that bulldog on your chest? You know, the Marine Corps? No, Club? no, no, no. I have breasts now. I used to have a chest. I don't no, no, uh, no tattoos? No Marine Corps tattoos? I was never drunk enough to get a tattoo. Oh, not even shit. in the Marine Corps. No. <laughs> Joe, who was the biggest scumbag you ever worked with in the acting business? Now you put me on the spot. Now you put me on the spot. All right. Let me tell you this. I've been very lucky. And I have worked with some really big people, including De Niro, Meryl Streep, you know, Harvey. I, I, they were all wonderful. Dustin Hoffman, I did a scene with him. I'll never forget this in a Sidney Lumet movie. When the scene was over, Dustin Hoffman said to me, was that okay for you or do you want to do it again? I couldn't believe it. He wow. was so generous as an actor. There was one guy who was not at all like people would think that he is. But it's really not fair to say who it is. But he uh, yeah, not, don't, don't say who he is. He was not great. But most I, shouldn't have, off, I shouldn't have put you on the spot like that. But I thought you were going to ask me about bosses in the job. <laughs> Forget it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, then you'll say, you're that motherfucker. <laughs> Then you have he no problem. <laughs> you have no problem telling who the assholes are. <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing because when you show up to do that uh, that one episode, you know, you got to be ready to work. Yeah. You know, and uh, the quicker you can get the scene done, the more everybody likes you. Right. So for like uh, the Law and Order SVU, it was a tricky thing going. I played um, the evidence clerk. <laughs> right. So I had to take him around this bend, and you know, then the guy's telling me, the director's telling me, "All right, cheat to the left." You know, you're never on a set, you never acted before, you know what that means, you know, right. cheat to the left. But we were able to bang it out. So you know, that's how you continue working. Do you remember the director's name? Uh, he was French. Oh, okay. He was a pretty I, big. Uh, I remember they were excited to have him. Mark, I was trying to tell uh, Joe about our dipped in butter. You know, oh. and what it actually means. I don't know if you ever heard that expression before on the job, you know? No, no, I never heard that. It's one. sort of like unique to our show. <laughs> well, I love it, though, and I love what it stands for. <laughs> and, uh, and the other side, we have police off the cuff. I don't know if you can see that. There we go. That's cool. Yeah. Now, people can buy those cups, I hope. Well, what we did was we have a thing called the Patreon, and everyone that pays actually to watch us by the month, we give them a mug for free. Oh, that's nice. You know, the mug isn't expensive, but it costs $22 to ship it to somebody. <laughs> yeah. So when you're back in New York City, I'll go to Bordeaux and I'll bring you a mug. I drove a mug today to Bill Ryan. Did you? Good for you. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> not paying $22 to ship these damn mugs. That's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, but yeah. it's nuts. So when I go to Bordeaux, what kind of wine you got there? I got all kinds of wine. What kind you like? I like Cabernet, but you probably get Chianti, right? <laughs> 
We got Chianti, we got Cabernet, we got Merlot, we got Pinot Noir, we got it all. All right, I'm going to come in. What street? I got to tell you something. Our bartenders and our bar manager, they're all terrific young people. We're known for our signature cocktails. And these guys can make the most terrific, delicious drinks, things I've never experienced before. I remember one night I happened to be in the, in the joint and uh, a Marine came in with his wife and she looked at the menu and she said to the, to the bar guy, she said, oh, I don't know what I want, but I want to feel like I'm at the beach. He says, I'll take care of that. And he <laughs> made her a cocktail. She loved it. So even though you're a wine guy, you'll have to come in and try one of our okay, cocktails. Okay, I'll do it. You know, usually in New York City, when they say, we have a drink menu. That means anywhere from twenty to twenty-five dollars for that drink. <laughs> no, well, our drinks are, are less expensive than that, and we use good liquor, of course. Yeah, but let me tell you something. Right? Uh, wine drinkers are just snobby potheads. Snobby, <laughs> well, they are because it, it does the same exact thing. You drink two glasses of wine, and you know how you feel? You feel like you just smoked a half a joint. That's exactly how you feel. It's the same thing. Uh, you know, you're speaking of. Uh, Personal experience? No, no, not me. I'm oh, just I didn't think so. <laughs> I've read it in the study. You know, I was in narcotics for 12 years. Uh-huh. I ran the undercover program. Uh-huh. Tell I'm, us- gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look closer at you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the fact that um, you know, you, you spent a lot of time working in narcotics? I'm sure there's a lot of people probably still in jail because of that. What, how do you feel about what they're doing with narcotics right now and, um, you know, decriminalizing marijuana? And then, like, you have states like uh, Oregon that basically has, uh, you know, decriminalized all drugs. Yeah, well, I think it's a big mistake. And if you want to be serious for a minute, I really do think it's a big mistake because, you know, after having been in narcotics for 12 years and after having debriefed thousands of people that were arrested, uh, I could say this, not everybody who smokes marijuana will go on to become a druggie, but every addict that I ever spoke to began by smoking marijuana. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah, that's truth a great that. point. That's a great point. So that's, uh, and I'm telling you, in my time in narcotics, we locked up everybody you can imagine. We locked up, I hate to say it, cops. We locked up FBI agents. We locked up priests and rabbis, all selling cocaine and that, but this is back in the, in the late seventies and eighties, you know, I had to lock up a rabbi once for uh, domestic violence. And he had two, he had two weddings and a funeral the next day. He was like, please, Sergeant Pleasant, you, please, you can't do this. To, but meanwhile, his wife was like, he just beat the shit out of me. I was like, put your hands behind your back. You know, you didn't get him out. Didn't you get him out in time to do the wedding? Nah, he didn't get out in time. He got hey, uh, Peter Pranzo, uh, he, he did a super chat, $10. Thank you, Peter Pranzo. Peter Pranzo, thank you so much, Pete. You're the man. <laughs> Dawn Marines on the air, Heather 77, B Higgs. Thank you guys for tuning in. Oh, that's it. Simplify, brothers and sisters. Simplify, that's right, man. Simplify. I love that expression, man. And, and on the police department, what is it? The police department? Latin. Yeah, Latin. What is it? Fidelis said more than death. Yeah, faithful until death. You want you in the honor legion? I am. Then you should know that. I just told you what it was. <laughs> I just had to test you there. Okay. 
Yeah, pretty soon you're going to be singing the Marine Corps hymn if I let you. Uh, actually, it's called the Marines hymn, not the Marine oh, okay. Corps. All right. Do you go and every year to the Marine Corps birthday down at 1PP? Oh, I used to go all the time. You know, one day I was with a guy from Homicide, this guy, Tommy Clark, oh, God rest his soul, great guy. And uh, we went down there. We had our picture taken with Harvey Keitel. Right. He goes there every year. He's every year. Well, we didn't have it last year. But, yeah, Harvey's a good man. Yeah. He was very supportive of the NYPD Marines. Yeah. We had over 2,000 guys, women, men and women, who were cops and Marines, you know. Is that right? In our association, yeah. Oh, uh, you, oh, you belong to, like, the NYPD Marine Corps Club? Oh, yeah, I was on the board. I just uh, retired, like, last year or two years ago. And what, what, what was the purpose of that group? Well, we would help people, you know. We would have our birthday party every year. We'd run cigar nights out of Fort Hamilton during the summer. But, you know, people sometimes need a little help. We'd help them out. No, absolutely. So That's great. I, I was just busting your balls. Of course, I know what the fuck you were doing, you know. <laughs> hey, tell us a little bit about working on The Sopranos. I'm sure that, that <clears throat> must have been interesting. You know, when... Um, you know, I, I auditioned for The Sopranos, and the guy who wound up getting the part freaking annoyed the crap out of me because sometimes I, I always had a feeling like, they, you know, they already knew who was going to get the part, but they had to do the open casting because the SAG rules or whatever. But he was a Baldwin, not not the the, the Baldwin, the brother thing. But... Um, uh, Stephen Baldwin? No, he wasn't one of the Baldwin brothers. He's in the, he, He's been in a ton of stuff, but his last name is Baldwin too. Um, he wound up getting the part. I'm like, that was a freaking waste of time. Uh, you know what I'm saying? To go for the callback for that, you know, yeah. and thinking you're going to get it and knowing already that this guy's already getting it. But tell us about working on The Sopranos. Well, that was probably the best job I ever had because that was the best, the nicest, wonderful bunch of people that I ever dealt with. I mean, um, Everybody got along well. You know, there's a lot of egos involved normally in these projects that you're in. But I have to tell you, on The Sopranos, there were no egos. It was a real team effort. And everybody from Jimmy Gandolfini down to me, who was a nobody, they all got along great. And it, it was a wonderful thing. And uh, see these headset I have on now? They just sent them to me because I'm going to do a podcast. There's a thing called Talking Sopranos. And I'm going to be on that at the end of the month. And they sent me the thing. So I'm, I'm using them with you for the first time. Holy shit. That's like a, you know, you can put them in the Smithsonian Institute. Oh, I, yeah. I wore these first on police off the cuff after off hours. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. <laughs> but when The Sopranos started, you know, I don't think anybody really knew that it was going to be what it turned out to be. You know, uh, they were mostly uh, unknown people and... Uh, David Chase, who created the show, he had been a successful writer, but this was the his big, big time project. No, that episode of Denny uh, Soprano, um, Della Ventura that I did, right in the middle of it, Catherine Narducci played my uh, my, uh, my my manager, my boxing manager on the show. Right. I told you Vinny was in it. Um, and then the guy who wound up playing the other bad manager, uh, he was... Tony Soprano's father in the flashbacks and they were telling me you know uh, you should submit to Sopranos because they're casting right now but I just got the A story in a in a primetime series my first part I was just focusing on doing this thing and I didn't even think about it but 
then I had to wait so many years to, to at least get an audition after that, which was, was, which was stupid, but I just didn't know any better. Well, listen, you never know. You know, that's the hard thing. You got to trust your agent a little bit. And, uh, but every actor thinks myself. You I was, I was by myself. I didn't have an agent yet. Well, then it was, uh, even that you could get in on it, that's a big deal. Yeah, you know? yeah. So if you got Della Ventura without an agent and these other shows, yeah, yeah. that's a big deal. Now, Joe, do you still have to audition or they just know who you are and you get the part? They know who I am, but most of the time I still have to audition. Sometimes you get an offer. That makes you feel good, of course. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think the reason why I was lucky enough to be in The Sopranos, the people... You guys know who Steve Buscemi is, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know he was a fireman before. Yes. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So oh, you were a... you were in Trees Lounge. That was his. That's movie. what I was just going to talk about. Yeah. Trees Lounge was the first movie that um, Steve directed, and I have the honor of being the first in the first scene of the first day of shooting of the first movie he directed, and it was the scene between him and I. Anyway. Georgie Ann Walker and, and Sheila Jaffe cast Trees Lounge and they also cast The Sopranos. So That's when I originally went in, I went in for the part of Artie Bucco, you know, the restaurant owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You would have yeah. been great in that part. I know, but I didn't get it. That was, John, that was John, Kevin Arducci's husband on the show. Yeah, and John Ventimiglia, he got it, a wonderful guy. But then I got the part of Dick Barone, which was the straight man for the mob. So I remember after we did the pilot, I was walking down Fifth Avenue, going to a commercial audition, and David Chase ran up to me in the street. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And he says, Joe, Joe, they picked us up. We're going to do it again. We're going to have some fun. And like, I was surprised that he even remembered me. <laughs> That's how much input he had into that show. Uh -huh. he, oh, he, Of course, you know, he wrote most of it, especially in the beginning. But he had... He decided on every single actor that was in that show, you know, he was gave them the final word. And the other thing that I heard about, because there were a lot of talented actors that never went in on it, is the only thing he insisted on, insisted on was that the actor had to be Italian, Italian-American. Hey, oh, we, yo. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we change your name, Gannon, that's all. Well, look at that face. How are we going right. to change I, that There's face? no way I could pass for Italian, though, you know? Yeah. Hey, when you walk in the streets of New York, do people sometimes recognize you? They do a little bit now, not like they used to. When I was on Third Watch, forget it. It was unbelievable. I'd be on the subway. You know, most of the time, the black guys notice you right away. Yeah. You know? And they always, hey, you know, they're very complimentary and things like that. But they, they were more on the lookout, I think. Well, and, were uh, women throwing their panties at you back then? No, but at least they weren't offering me a seat. That's one thing. <laughs> no, I never had a job where I got to even be romantic at all. Uh-huh. You know, you look at me, that's it. You know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh, so you you weren't the like leading man type. I was never the leading man type, never. So you you character actor, but you worked I mean you worked your ass off though. I mean you worked all the time. I was very lucky and to manage both things for a long time. Uh -huh. you no, know, because I started working professionally in 83. I didn't retire till 92. So uh -huh. a lot of episodic work and TV movies and stuff that I did, I did while I was actually on the job. Me too. I, I, did, I did so many parts on TV while I was still on the job. I did comedy on Showtime 
when I was still on the job. Yeah. You know, stand-up comedy. Yeah. So it's amazing, like, uh, you know, and I was, uh, you mentioned something earlier about how the job would take it, you know, and being a little bit nervous and how uh, it was welcoming. I, I suffered from the same thing. Like I was, uh, I never talked about the job in my stand-up comedy. Cause I was, but then again, it was, it never really, they were always helpful. You know, Chief O'Neill, he worked in the same building that I, and I, every time I saw him, he was like, hey, you got a new, cause I used to give him uh, like CDs or DVDs for my last recording. And he loved getting them, you know? Yeah. And so the job was actually, turns out, was very, very supportive. Yeah. Well, when I was a captain, I was in narcotics and Chief Johnson, I get a phone call, come up, come up and see the chief right away. So I go up to his office. He brings me in the conference room and he says, uh, Commissioner Kelly likes you and we're going to give you the 17th precinct. That's where I ran now, into you. <laughs> right. Now, for most people, that would be like the highlight of their life. But it was like taking a knife and sticking it in my chest. Because, you know, in narcotics as a captain, I had made my own hours. When I needed time off, I could get it. Now they were making me a precinct commander, which in case you don't know, that's a full-time job. Yes, you know absolutely. So Chief Johnson says to me, I know you're an actor. Don't worry about it. If you can't get time off, you run into a problem, let me know. We'll make it work. I said, okay, chief. So now I go report to the borough commander. His name was, um, well, forget about it. But anyway, he makes me wait outside his office for 45 minutes. I hate assholes that do that. I okay. hate that. So now, <clears throat> he says, oh, the chief will see you now. I go in and I sit down. He goes, all right, listen, Captain Lisi, I just want to tell you one thing. I didn't ask for you to come here. I didn't want you here. And now, <laughs> and now because you're here, some guy that I wanted to promote can't get promoted. Oh my God. That's what he said to me. Wow. I said, well, chief, with all due respect, I didn't ask to come here. And I don't <laughs> want to come here. But now that I'm here, I'm going to try to be the best precinct CEO that you have. And I left. And I told Bill what happened. There was one point where I had to get extra time off to be in a movie. And the big chief made sure I got the time off. But the borough commander got his pound of flesh out of me anyway. Yeah, that's that's just, well. You know, Mark, in 1990, I, well, I got promoted to sergeant in 12-21-89. In 1990, I got assigned to some detail. And he was the captain. And oh, he was God. captain. He was the CO to 17. And I remembered him because someone was hey. That guy's a fucking actor. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, I never seen him in anything. They go, yeah, he's an actor. I go, all right. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, yeah. In the job, we're all a little bit of actors to be on the job. Oh yeah, so you got to be a little bit of an actor. Absolutely. But, but you pay. Yeah, you paid your dues. Not a narcotics lieutenant is out there knocking down doors, right? Yeah. Well, I was in the special projects. I started in, as a cop in narcotics. I was on patrol in the 88 in 1971. Then in 73, I got into, uh, uh, well, I got into anti-crime. Then I went into the squad on a steal. Do you know what that is? A steal, they don't do that anymore. That's when they take you and they assign you like off the record into the squad, like on a telephone message. So then 
they couldn't promote me to detective because I didn't have career path. So that's when they sent me to, uh, to narcotics, OCCB. And I was there in Manhattan South. And then I got into special projects, which was the video and the audio surveillance. And that's when we were involved in all the big cases. And I stayed there until I made captain. I was a sergeant there. I was a lieutenant there. I, they sent me out for a few months when I first got promoted to lieutenant. Then they brought me back and then uh, and I made captain. They give me a precinct and they kill me. So one, here's another story about the chief. I'm the duty captain in Manhattan South and I, they, they found a mustard gas canister from World War I in a basement in the ninth precinct. So they said, oh, you better get down there because the chief is coming. So I, I'm the duty captain. I run down there. It's freezing out. And I'm outside waiting for the chief and the black car pulls up. The window goes down this far and he goes like this. <laughs> so I get in the back of the car. Now I got all my ducks in a row, everything that's about, about this mustard gas, who found it, where it's going, blah, 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 the whole history of mustard gas. He turns around, he says to me, I saw you on television last night. You did a great job. <laughs> he could care less about, uh, about the mustard gas. You were, Joe, you were a good test taker, though, right? You banged out the three tests in a row? Well, no, I failed the first sergeant's test that I took. But then I, I passed the second one, and I, I, I was pretty high on the lieutenant's list. But I'm not so smart, because on a captain's test, there were five math questions, pretty simple ones, percentages, ratio, stuff like that. I got four of them wrong. <laughs> If I had gotten those four math questions right, I would have gotten promoted four years earlier. I would wow. have been at the top of the captain's list with Mike Julian and John Timoney, all my buddies, all the guys I studied with, they all were better at math. What, what, what promotion school did you go to? Well, I went to Mulhern. You remember Mulhern? Yeah, that old, these old Irish fuckers used to run those schools, right? He was right? terrific. <laughs> And then I taught at Julian School after after I was retired, so I taught yeah. at his school. Somebody asked, I'm trying to find it over here. Somebody asked, do you keep in touch with the people from Third Watch? I do, not as much as I'd like to. Uh, the one I keep in touch with the most was a terrific actor by the name of John Michael Bolger. He played the fire lieutenant Johnson. But when I'm out in LA, I saw Tia Tahada and. Uh, uh, I saw a couple of the other people. I know that uh, Skip Sutton is uh, back here on the East Coast. He's living in New Jersey. Molly Price is back here. Jason, the guy that paid Bosco, he's back in L.A. I haven't seen him in a long time. But that was a fun show, too. But it, uh, it was a little bit different uh, than, than The Sopranos. By the way, the reason why that show was so successful, another good guy, Ed Benero. He was the showrunner and the creator of that show. He had been a cop in Chicago. That's why the show was called Third Watch and not Third Platoon, by the way. Uh -huh. They wanted it set in New York, but it, you know, he was a Chicago cop. Joe, what would you say, and I have in my mind what I like, but what's your favorite best uh, cop show of all time? Um, Barney Miller. That's what every, every cop from New York says that. Well, yeah, if you're talking about the squad, Barney Miller is the best. You know why? Because Barney Miller 
captures what everybody misses. All these cop shows. What they miss is the sense of humor that cops yes, have. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. exactly no right. No matter how much shit we're involved in, cops don't take themselves too seriously, no, right? right? Exactly. You know, even you know, Dennis Franz, a wonderful guy. I did a couple of NYPD blues, but everything was <clears throat> right. that's not how we operate. No. You know what I'm saying? No. You know, but you know, some Joe, I love the wire though. You ever watch the wire? I watched it. It's a good show. My good friend is on another one of my Marine buddies, John Doman. He's the guy that plays the chief. He looks a little bit like some people. Think oh, yeah, no, he was at the Marine Corps birthday that day. Yes. I met him, too. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Another terrific actor, by the way. Wonderful yeah. actor. He's been in a lot of he's stuff. A, he's a Vietnam veteran, by the way. Well, no shit. Yeah. Wow. But the wire was great. Yeah. I just thought that the writers caught the language of the street so perfectly. Yeah. You know, yeah. like because and not many. I mean, when you you watch like uh, the the shows on TV, what I cringe at is when they read Miranda as they're locking the guy up. I just cringe at that because <laughs> yeah. I was in the squad for sixteen years and I've never ever ever seen Miranda read on the scene anywhere. And every no, of course, and no. if it's a murder, everyone knows not to talk to the guy even on the way to the house. Just right. shut up and wait till you get into this. But to, to the uh, interrogation room before you start talking to the guy, you yeah. know? But the TV just loves Miranda. They love it, you know? Well, it gives them something to do. As an actor, you have to have something <laughs> to do. And uh, I'm not 100% sure, but the why it might have been a Tom Fontana show. I know that the at Oz was a, a Tom Fontana show. No, it was, uh, the guy's name was Byrne, one of the writers. And one of the writers was a Baltimore cop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know who was on that show, Eddie Norris. Do you know him? Yes. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. He used to. He was the squad commander in my priest. When I was the CEO, he was this squad commander in the seventies. He, he was the deputy commissioner that used to grill me at Comstat. Yeah. He was then the deputy he, commissioner he of crime strategy. the commissioner in Baltimore. Yeah, he had some problems then, there, though. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> right, we had some problems with the FBI. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that. No, no. Yeah, you're right. You know what it is? You can't. MF the feds because they'll come and get you, you know? And apparently he was doing that on radio and everywhere. The FBI oh, yeah. sucks. They're not cops. They're just fucking accountants, blah, blah, blah. And they came after him. <laughs> well, look, Comey, look, what about a guy? I don't want to start getting political, but look at what Comey and those FBI guys did. That was uh, scary shit. That they could do. Yeah, yeah. And now he's trying to pretend like none of it happened. Yeah. And yeah. he's trying to get, he's getting his profile back in, in the media, commenting on stuff. And eventually you're going to forget all about it. Oh, I don't, I will never forget about it, especially when he gave that left-wing professor from Columbia the inside information from the FBI. He should have been collared for that. Right, right. Yeah. That was his buddy. That was but a... I tell you, I talked to, you know, old FBI agents, guys that are retired a long time. They're brokenhearted. They cannot believe what has happened to their bureau. Yeah, the way things are today. Yeah, it was an unusual uh, turn of events, Donald Trump getting elected. I think it threw the wrench into everything that was going on. Yeah. Uh, well, because uh, uh, these guys, you know, it's it's hard to explain, but if you know, it's like uh, somebody coming into stand-up comedy or even acting, for example, and they're not an actor; they're like a singer or a rapper, and now you know, you know, what I'm talking about like. Uh, it's just like 
You don't know what you he wasn't part of the club. He was, you know, and they have the the deep state, and the deep state went after him from day one. Even the even Republicans were like, uh, you know, the guy's talking about stopping war. Like, well, we're the number one distributor of arms in the world. He's talking about we're not going to have a war. We should we got to have a war. We got to have some place to ship the stuff that we're making. Yeah. So it's uh. Well, you're talking about somebody coming in. I'll tell you a quick third watch story. They, they used to hire like guest stars on third watch, sometimes music people and everything. So this, they, they hired this rap person. I can't tell you his name, but he comes in. He was a nice guy. He came in with a whole posse. And they go <laughs> in the back and they're in a dressing room. Next thing you know, I can smell the marijuana, right? And they're all yeah. token up in the back. Now it comes time to do the scene. Now you got to remember your lines when you're doing the scene, right? Right, right. So we started doing the scene. He couldn't get the lines. We threw it. The way we ultimately filmed the scene was this. I would say my line. Then I would say the beginning of his line. Then he would say his line. And I would say my line again. And I'd say the beginning of his next line. <laughs> okay. And it was so, it was like that. But when they cut it, when the editors got to it, uh, looked like a freaking star. He looked like a, he looked yeah. like he knew what he was doing. It was unbelievable. <laughs> we love the Things inside. Like that could happen. We love the inside story. Yeah, oh, it, yeah, it's a lot of it has to do with like don't take yourself too seriously, because uh, you know, next thing you know, you could be an accomplished actor. You went to Juilliard. You studied this, that, and the other. And next thing you know, you know, you're you're hoping that you get the part. Starring opposite this rapper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to pay the bills. And that's just the way, that's just the way, you know, it is. So Joe, you ever, you ever get um, in a, in a police show that you're in, you ever have them try to do something so ridiculous that you step in and say, hey, no, no, they wouldn't do it that way. You ever do that? Yeah. I have had that happen. And, you know, not being the technical advisor, but I would say, hey, listen, you know, not for anything, but we would never do it that way. Right. And uh, they don't care. They don't They'll care. They'll tell you, you know, this, is, this is entertainment. That very often happens with the technical guys. I know right. we watch shows and we say, who's the technical advisor? Uh -huh. but the truth is, the technical advisor probably told them that that's ridiculous and they do it anyway. Because hey, they uh, only, you know, the, the show, uh, I was uh, the police consultant on this show. Remember that show where the, the guy had OCD, the main detective? It won Emmys. He was a detective. He had OCD. He couldn't touch stuff. It won a lot of Emmys. Anyway, the guy Breckman, uh, he, he uh, hires me to be his uh, police consultant on the new show that he's working on. And believe it or not, it was about... Uh, uh, somebody who could solve murders by reading your handwriting. That's what the whole show was based on. Okay. Anyway, we did 17 weeks of writing. You know what I'm saying? But every time they would ask me, could this really happen? I would say, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Steph, you know why? Because I didn't want to make these guys rewrite. Right. You, I wanted like, I wanted to have, you know what? Yeah, that could happen. Definitely. Yeah. Let's go. Because otherwise, if you become this dick, that's on the sideline going, no, that can never happen. This, that, and the other. They don't want you around because now they got to rewrite. Well, one time I was uh, <clears throat> I was hired 
by Jerry Bruckheimer's company to do a technical advisor job on a movie. I forgot the name of the movie now, but Eric Banner was the star and he was playing a homicide detective. Bill, you'll appreciate this. So there's a scene where the baby, there's a dead baby, a baby is murdered, right? And he goes into the dark alley at night, he finds the baby and he takes the baby and he's holding it in his arms and all that. And I told the director, cop would never do that. You're no. not gonna move the baby. You're not gonna <laughs> touch the baby. <laughs> he says, oh, okay, we're gonna do that anyway. Cause I need, <laughs> we're gonna, I need it for the drama of the scene. We're gonna the violate the, all types of crime scene procedures for, for drama. <laughs> right, but Billy, at the end of the night, they told me, thanks, we don't need you anymore. <laughs> and that was the end of that job. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was up on 181st Street and I was doing security for Liam Neeson on a movie called Walk Among the Tombstones. And he's, it's the scene in the bar where guys come in with a shotgun and they shoot it out with him. So he, he trades shots with him. Then he runs out to the street and he continues getting in the gunfight with him. So he turns to me as he runs out on the street. He goes, should I say police when they come out here? I go, no. I go, you're already fucking banging it out with them in the bar. Why would you say police now? Doesn't matter, you know? And all the, all the, the director looks at me like, who the fuck is he? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was just doing security for him. They had no idea who I was, you know? Right. <laughs> and he didn't say it though, right? No, he, he didn't tell them who I was. He just the show he was goes, oh, I, then I won't do it. They were like, oh, he took his, he listened to him. <laughs> it's funny, right? People from all over the world, Joe, when they hear these stories, you yeah. know, we got fans all over the world now. They probably love this shit. Oh, that's Joe Lisi, third watch. Holy well, shit. He was a real captain? Yeah, now he's in Delray Beach trying to get a seat at a bar. Don't be telling everybody where I am. <laughs> I'm, under, I'm undercover oh, down That's here. right, you're undercover. He's a narcotics undercover well, down in Delray you Beach. Are, you guys are wide open down there, right, pretty much? Oh, my God. They're giving out uh, vaccines to everybody. They give them out in the clubhouse. It's unbelievable. It's an open state with a Republican governor. I hate to say it, but the restaurants are open. It's unbelievable. It's so funny because, uh, you know, over here, it's like a ghost town in the city. But yet you can go up to like Yonkers and sit down in a restaurant to eat. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what they really heard us. And I hate to say it, but Governor Cuomo kept changing the rules every day. They yeah. put us under so much pressure, you know, between the, uh, you know, 25% capacity, then outside, you know, we it cost us $10,000 to build the thing outside the restaurant. Oh, man. You have to have heat and everything else. And then all they do, one night it's the SLA, then the Department of Health, then the Department of Agriculture. And they're all just checking up on you, looking to give you fines and stuff. It's unbelievable. Yeah, man. They got to make this money back somehow. That's a yeah. bitch, man. And when are you going to reopen? I don't know. You know, we, 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 we tried to stay open as long as we could. We want to open as soon as we can, but we need them either, either the weather's going to change a little bit or going to have to let us put people inside a little bit again. Yeah. Otherwise, we can't pay the bills. We can't pay the staff. And we have a terrific staff, such wonderful people. They've been with us since we started. You know, the fact that we can't pay them, it, it, it kills us. It breaks our heart. Who's, but, your, you know, who's your partner? I got a couple of partners. One is a Marine buddy of mine, Pete Fitzpatrick. Hoorah. Frank Dwyer. <laughs> and the guy that really, uh, the managing partner is a guy named Nick Versus. He's a, a, a sharp guy. 
was, had been an IBM exec and now he's running the restaurant. Now, do you and enjoy the restaurant business? I enjoy it because I have a lot of fun. Yeah. But I don't have to put up with a lot of the stuff that Nick has to put up with. You know, right. I don't have to order the food. I don't have to make sure the people show up on time. Well, I, I do do that when I'm filling in for him, but that's his job. My job is to say, hey, Billy, how are you, brother? Come on in. Oh, so you're public you. relations. You're slapping that's people on the back. That's, and That's it. You know, and I got all the Marines come and the cops come and the actors come. Uh, no, you mean you got to do your own podcast. You know that, right? <laughs> I wouldn't know how to do it. No, you wouldn't know how to do it. What are you talking about? You did everything else. And I'm sure, I'm telling you right now, I'm looking at you right now. You got so many stories. Um, why not? Everybody else is doing it. Well, I'll put that on the list. Everybody says you should write a book, you know? That too. Yeah. That too. That would propel the podcast. Mark, you see the whole, the theme here though? He wasn't doing anything as a captain in narcotics. Now he's a captain in, in Bordeaux. Uh, what do you mean I wasn't doing anything as a captain in narcotics? You told me you could make your hours. You could do, come here and there. That doesn't Show mean I didn't one. work. I worked my ass off. I oh, had the okay. best detectives in the world. Okay. The best. You I didn't mean to imply them. that, Joe. I was just busting your balls. You got to crack the whip. <laughs> uh, I could do that when that was called for. So many people tuned in tonight. Uh, I got to tell you, Joe, you, you attracted I hope they're not crowd. disappointed. No, you attracted a big crowd. Uh, a lot of people are, are posting. A monk was the name of the show that Andy Breckman wrote that I wound up becoming the police uh, consultant on his next show. That got greenlit originally, but then they passed because they had a new studio head. I would have been a writer on that freaking show. Yeah. Can you imagine a whole show based on somebody who could solve crimes based off of handwriting was that tony laboog there what was his name the, the actor that played monk yeah tony yeah that was, yeah yeah Shaloub. Shaloub. yeah Shaloub. that's oh, right. he's a he's a terrific guy well andy andy breckman was the showrunner there he wrote the show and he was writing another show and i got lucky i used to drive to to new jersey that's where he wanted to do the writing writers meetings after i retired Right. I was the police consultant. And every time they asked me, uh, could this really happen? I'm talking about crazy shit. Could a Martian come down from another <laughs> planet and, uh, you know, take DNA and bring it back? And yeah, I was like, absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. Like, I, 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 I just I, want a job. <laughs> I agree with everything. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Billy, really, you can only imagine when you run a job and you grab Mark and you ask him a question, you know, you always got the truth right That's out right. of him. That's just right. great story right <laughs> away. <laughs> yes, boss. Yes, of course, boss. Yes. He, ha he hated when I used to walk into the 2-6 precinct because he was like, oh, worked, no. <laughs> I worked in the 2-6 squad and Bill used to come in and it was like, uh, you know, it was like one of those scenes out of the Wild West movies when you see the uh, the two door the those those doors open up yeah. And then the guy walks in, he's got the hat on, he's looking for trouble. <laughs> like that, that was Bill. When the saloon doors open. That's right, that's right. You know, something would happen, something went wrong. You're like, ah, oh, fuck, what happened? Somebody got shot or killed. Something's going on. You know, it's funny. There's no other job in the world where you can walk in and just start busting people's balls and they give it back to you. Oh, and it's yeah. just like a laugh fest. There's no yeah. job like that anywhere, right? I used to walk in the 2-3 squad and in the corner over there was Johnny D'Alessio and I used to call him Carmine, you know? And everyone called him Carmine after that. And I would go go to my wallet and I go, here, 
go go to the store, go get me some mozzarella and tomatoes. <laughs> Make sure you get me some olive oil and balls. And I was just busting his balls, but everyone in the squad knew the whole routine, you know? And then I would yeah. just, guy Leahy, little bull of an Irish guy, I'd say, go back in the back room, run me a shower and make sure it's 102 degrees exactly. <laughs> and he would be like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I'd be like, and up you over there. I go to the other detective, get the loofah scrub. I want you to do my back. <laughs> hey, so uh, let me ask you, what are you, are you working on something now? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on uh, my tan down here in Florida, you know? No, I'm just saying, are you, are you writing anything? You got, you got anything? No, you no, no, I'm collecting my pension right now, waiting for my agent to call me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, there's really very little shooting going on anywhere. And then half of the projects, they start them, and then they, they have to uh, stop because they get COVID restrictions. Yeah. It's really yeah, it's, I was really watching. tough. I was watching this thing about, you know, the upcoming movies in 2021, um, and, you know, like, which which ones are the most, the biggest ones that we're expecting? And they all had the same thing about, like, how they started shooting, and then they had to stop, and then they started shooting again, so they don't know when it's going to be released, but this, that, and the other. It's really hard to get, like, a buildup on any of this. And it's a yeah, shame, because... It's crazy. You know, it, for those of us who have dedicated most of our lives to this, and relied on the income... Yeah. Well, let me tell you one thing about our job, because the cops need to hear this. I've been very lucky. I actually have been sent a lot of places representing our job. They sent me to Australia. I taught at the LAPD Narcotics Academy. I taught at the uh, uh, CIA place in Florida. I taught up in Boston. And I got to tell you this, wherever we go, wherever you go, when they find out that you're the NYPD cop, you're it. They <laughs> That's all are serious. That's they true. all yep. defer to you. Yep. So even though we poo-poo the job, because to us, it's what we do, and it's every day. To a lot of people, it's a very highly respected profession. Joe, I love when James Earl Jones goes, we are the NYPD. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> hey, uh, let's let's take a moment here to give a shout out to everybody who tuned in tonight. Uh, Tony Embry, uh, thank you for having this live chat. Uh, Dookie Four Thousand, Dawn Marie, MC Audio, he's a big fan. MC, he's always on it. Uh, well, Mark, he has his own podcast. That kid, Janine Lewis. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, you should do it. He's good. I was on his show. Kid's great. He's going to be a great broadcaster, that kid. He's 22 years old. He's already got all the skills. Not like us. He doesn't have the stories and the ball-busting ability, but he's good. <laughs> uh, Peter Pranzo says, Joe Lissy, uh, great guest. Oh, thank you. That's uh, retired uh, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo of um, Harlem. What the hell? I just said his book before. Now I can't think of it. Anyway, it's Harlem. I forget the name. But he... He's a great guy. He's a legend from the 3 2. You know, the Gambino family put a hit on him when he was in the 3 2. That's when really? they used to run the drugs in Harlem. And he was putting such a hurt on them, they, they put a hit on him. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, any hoot, man. Uh, I want to thank you, Joe, for taking the time out, sitting down with us. You shared some great, great stories. Thank you. I, Joe, I want to go to Bordeaux when you come back, man. Let me know when well, you. Well, you know, as, as soon as we open. I'll tell you what, as soon as we open, I'll have you down there. 
and, and, and you tell everybody on the podcast uh -huh. to come and visit us at Bardo. No, that? no, absolutely. I'll tell them now. What street is it on? It's on Restaurant Row, 46th Street. 46th the address Street. Is, it's in the north, 350 West 46th Street. 350 and West 46th way, Street. Yep. On the menu, it says all first responders, all military veterans, they all get automatic 10%. And you, Billy, you might even get a free <laughs> I want an OT. I want an OTA. You know what OTA means, right? <laughs> oh, I got you. I'm just kidding. I got money. A, I'll pay. What did you just say? You used to tell you, how is that place? Hey, you know, it's it's half half price. Or you used to go, it's under your arm, or you're going to be like half. Or yeah, just throw them five bucks. There was like a, there was like a scale, a running scale of how good yeah. the place was. No, Joe, yeah. when they did, they used to do this, right? <laughs> they did the arm. That was a signal for it's. Oh, it's on the arm. It's free. You right? guys, do you know what a flute is? A flute? Yes, that's when they put whiskey in a coke bottle. Does he know that, Mark? Did he know no. that? You didn't no, know dude. that. What year did you go on the job, Mark? Ninety-two. Ninety-two. That's the year I retired. Oh wow! I was on eighty-five, so I was only on the job with you seven years. But I, I did. I yeah, you look amazing, though, man. It's it's really hard to believe how good you look. I'm very lucky. I'm a blessed guy. Blessed. Yeah, you are, man. You had some that career. Is fun. It's doing you good. No, I'm all, I'm going back to New York. I just had to come down here check out a couple of things. Well, when you're up to open man, a Bordeaux in uh, Delray Beach or what? Ooh, that would be good. Bordeaux, Delray. I love oh, it. That'd be unbelievable. I'm a, you know, I want to move to Florida one day too, you know? Well, the good thing about Florida is there's a ton of people here from the job down there. I know. I went to a luncheon one year, a couple of years ago. They have it in February. There were over 400 guys, men and women from our job. Wow. At the luncheon. Yeah. Wow. I, and I heard the Florida police love the New York cops down there too. Yeah, well, because we're smart enough to show people a little respect, you know what I mean? Right. But right. I'm telling you, I've gotten pulled over every place, including L.A., you know? And everybody, you know, you'd be respectful to them. Nobody ever really broke my balls. You know, in L.A., I'm at, a, I'm at a traffic light in L.A., right? I'm in Santa Monica. And the light turns green. And what, I'm the first car, so what do I do? I make the, the left turn. Next thing I know, I get pulled over by the cops. The guy says... You made that left turn before everybody went by. I says, I know, officer. What did I do something wrong? That's the way we drive in New York. You get you get out ahead of them before they come by. <laughs> goes, no, 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 no. But anyway, I showed him my shield. They let me go. <laughs> do you do you still get your your uh, ID card updated every few years? You don't have an expiration date on your ID card, right? Uh, correct. I That's a new thing. You know, they they put an expiration date on. Yeah, your... Kelly did that. Yeah, I Kelly think he wants to take up. it away from you. You know. That's Joseph right. Reek, my former 17th Precinct CEO. I will never uh, sure if he was serious or acting. Great guy. Joe Reek, he, he retired as an inspector. He was a terrific young cop when I knew him, and obviously he, uh, he, he got to be an inspector. He, he a really nice, really nice kid. I was. noticed that he's a big fan of ours because he's on LinkedIn all the time. He's always following us, and he, he's a big fan of the show. Thank you, Inspector Leak. We're just too lowly, Reek. a sergeant and a detective. We got an inspector, a big fan of ours. He was a good guy. He's a real cop. Good guy. Yeah, absolutely. The Ryan Investigative Group. I had to get uh, the desk officer a flute at turnout. <laughs> That's right. Those are the days. <laughs> well, anyway, Joe, I want to thank you for uh, coming on with us tonight. 
And for all the people that uh, tuned in and, uh, you know, everybody's saying what a great guest you are. He is. Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate that, Mark. Billy. And, and Joe here, we're gonna, I'm going to bring you a mug when you come to New York because I, I think you deserve to have yours dipped in butter too. You know? I think I might not dipped in butter now. Because <laughs> your you career so was, your police career and your acting career was dipped in butter. So you might as well have the mug, right? Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. We want to shout out to our Patreon fans, uh, people that actually pay a fee to see us once a month. Uh, we have three tiers. The, the $7 a month tier is called the bucket. Don't be the bucket. You don't want to be a bucket. The uh, $9 tier is called polish my rack. And I actually have a picture of my rack and you could polish it if you want. And the $11 tier is, of course, what we've been talking about, dipped in butter. And if you want yours dipped in butter, pay 11 bucks to see us a month. All right. <laughs> I go for that. Let's everybody be dipped in butter 11 bucks. That's right. <laughs> And uh, if you if you if you're joining us for the first time tonight and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff After Hours, thank you so much, Joe, for taking the time out with us. You are great. Thanks, Mark. Good luck to you guys. And, and, and Joe, safe. Joe, hold it one second. <laughs> no, here's what I got to tell you. You ready, Billy? Yeah. Semper Fi. Semper Fi, buddy. I hope one day I get to do a scene with you, buddy. <laughs> I hope so, too. That'd be fun. All right. All right good I'll night, be the old man in the scene. All right. <laughs> I'll get all of you on my seat on the subway. Thank you, pal. Bye-bye. <laughs>